Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. Yesterday we talked about Betsy Ross, super spy. We left her as she'd just gotten married to a non-Quaker, John Ross. Quakers frowned on interdenominational marriages. The penalty for such unions was severe. The guilty party being read out. That's R-E-A-D. Read out of the Quaker meeting house. Now, getting read out meant being cut off every way, uh, emotionally and, and even economically, from both family and the meeting house. Cut off from her family? Uh, the entire history in the community would, would be instantly dissolved. It's pretty harsh. But <laughs> on a November night in 1773, 21-year-old Betsy Ross... Uh, well, no, uh, it, it wasn't Betsy Ross at the time, of course. But Betsy eloped with John Ross, then it was Betsy Ross. They ferried across the Delaware River to Hugs Tavern and were married in New Jersey. Her wedding caused an irrevocable split from her family. Less than two years after their nuptials, <laughs> the couple started their own upholstery business, their decision was a bold one, as competition was tough, and they could not count on Betsy's Quaker circle of friends for business. Uh, <laughs> that being read out of the community was, was serious stuff. So, come Sundays? Well, on Sundays, one could now find Betsy Ross at Christchurch, sitting in pew number 12 with her husband. And some Sundays would find... General George Washington, America's new commander-in-chief, sitting in an adjacent pew. Well, Betsy and John Ross found themselves right in the middle of the war. Fabrics needed for business were becoming hard to come by, and business was slow. But Brother George Washington from Christchurch asked them to do some of his custom tailoring, so that helped. And then John joined the Pennsylvania militia. While guarding an ammunition cache in mid-January 1776, John Ross was mortally wounded in an explosion. Though his young wife tried to nurse him back to health, he died on the 21st of January and was buried in Christchurch Cemetery. Now, in late May or early June of 1776, according to the way Betsy tells it, she had that fateful meeting with the Committee of Three, George Washington, George Ross, and Robert Morris, which led to the sowing of the first flag. After becoming widowed, Betsy returned to the Quaker fold. Ah, uh, well, uh, kinda. Uh, you see, Quakers are pacifists and forbidden from bearing arms. Now, this led to a real schism or break in their ranks. Some wanted freedom, and they wanted it so much that they were willing to bear arms and fight for it. They're called free or fighting Quakers, and they supported the war effort. Well, when they banded together, Betsy Ross joined them. Now, how about that? A Quaker rebel. <laughs> she figured those British had already taken her man, but she was not going to let them take her freedoms as well. Hey, that girl was a fighter. Now, I don't rightly know what the exact details were of how everything came together for the Battle of Trenton, but I got a pretty good idea, because I did see a lot of it. I, I just can't be everywhere at once. Yeah. Uh, besides, it was top secret then, and I really doubt if Betsy Ross ever, ever wanted it known, because people would just naturally get the wrong idea about her. Well, here it comes. Betsy Ross 
was one of George Washington's spies. Yipper! She was into espionage. You see, Betsy knew and loved George Washington. She was in the same church with him, sat next to him. She did his custom tailoring. That's why he knew he could make that, she could make that flag for him. Now, her husband died in January 1776. George Washington asked her to make the flag in June or July of that year. They did a lot of talking together, and George knew her heart was in the right place. He also knew that she was good-looking, intelligent, single, had no children, was absolutely dependable, and anxious to help. So, at the planning meetings, George Washington, General Israel Putnam, and Samuel Griffin, that's Colonel Samuel Griffin, did their planning with Betsy Ross in mind. Samuel Griffin was to take a group of 600 to Mount Holly to harass the Hessian troops of Colonel Carl Van Donop. Now his spies, that's Colonel Donop's spies, told him there were only 600 American troops. So he just naturally grabbed his 2,000 troops and went south away from Trenton and went to punish the rebels on the heights above Mount Holly. Now, remember the Third Amendment to our Constitution? That one, it's so important that it, it, it comes right after the, the amendment about freedom of religion and free speech and, and the number two about the right to bear arms. The very next amendment is, No soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. Oh, well, now the reason for that was because those British or Hessians would just take over any house they wanted for themselves or their officers. The Americans hated it, but the British did it anyway. Anytime they went on bivouac, soldiers sometimes had to put up tents out in the yard, but the commanding officers, they just took over the house. George Washington knew that if Colonel Griffin could divert those Hessians clear over to Mount Holly, they would find quarters in the best homes there. Yep, burr. Well, they got Betsy, and Betsy was there ahead of them, and set up as the widow of a rich doctor in the best house in town. The trap was set, and she was the bait, and he was such a fop <laughs> that everyone knew, or at least really hoped, that he would fall for it, and he did. He bought into Betsy Ross hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> sure enough, Colonel Donop and his men routed the Americans the very next day, December 24th, uh, right after they set up their new quarters. Uh, they, they came into town, Mount Holly. They got set up in their quarters, and they went out, and they found the Americans up in the heights, and sure enough, they routed them. The Americans took off. Why, those Americans just fell all apart and ran like rabbits. <laughs> well, now, he wanted to boast about his daring exploits, and he found very beautiful, very willing ears. Why, this beautiful widow lady made talking so easy and fun that he decided to go ahead and spend Christmas Eve right there in Mount Holly. Besides, his men were awful tired from the fighting. Now, this is December 24th, Christmas Eve. Now, the next morning, Christmas Day, he found he had to chase those pesky Americans again. <laughs> but that didn't take too long, and then he had a dilemma. Should he march back the 12 miles or so to Bordentown, where he was supposed to be, so he could go to the aid of Colonel Rawl in Trenton, <laughs> in case they were attacked by the Americans? 
or should he stay another night at Mount Holly? Why, there was just no difficulty at all with that decision, especially since it was blowing up a storm, and that there widow woman was so pleased to see him. Well, when he woke up the next morning, this was December 26th, it was because a runner came and told him that Washington had taken Trenton and was coming to Bordentown. And you know what? That son of a gun, he just picked up and ran. He never even returned to Bordentown to help his own wounded men there. He just left all of the guns, all of the ammunition, all of the other supplies. It was wonderful. Wonderful for the Americans. Hey, thanks for listening, folks. Remember, next time you hear about Betsy Ross, you defend her honor. Speak with boldness. Remember, you're learning the truth. <laughs> and keep your powder dry. <laughs>